Oh, good evening. My name is Mike. Uh, man, we're so glad you guys are here tonight. Um, and uh, here at Northwood Young Adults, we believe in having open doors and open hearts. And so I hope that when you walked in tonight that you felt comfortable and invited. Uh, and I also hope that you came with an open heart because you are wanted and welcomed here. Um, and you have probably noticed by now, but there were two stickers on your seat when you walked in tonight. Um, those stickers serve as invites, okay? So one is for you to keep, and the other one is for somebody else, all right? The other one is for you to give away. Uh, I want to encourage you to invite friends uh, to join us here on Tuesday nights, to invite the people in your life to join us on Tuesday, Tuesday nights. I mean, imagine, ha imagine having this room so full of young adults that, they'd be sitting on the floor because we have no more chairs left in the place, right? Imagine having, you know, so many young adults here that we have to move to the room next door or to the worship center, right? Imagine crowds of young adults coming to know Jesus. Uh, that's incredibly possible, and it's possible because you and I play a part in that. It's incredibly possible for that to happen, um, and we play a part in that. And, and, and here's the reason young adults are so important. Here's the reason that you are so important. Because you might be thinking, man, in my life, I've got, I've got nothing to offer. There, there's no reason why God would ever want to use me. Well, let me tell you something if you think that. If you came in here thinking tonight, man, I, there's no way I can be used by God in my life. Or maybe you don't actively think that, but by the way that you live your life, you think, man, there's no way God can use me. When Jesus came to earth and decided to begin his movement here on earth when his ministry started, he looked around and who did he choose? He chose 12 young adults to help start his movement here on earth, people who were likely in their 20s to do so. And if that doesn't connect, you, connect with you, maybe this will. In America's history, there have been four great awakenings, four certified revivals of the Christian faith in our country. And the people that led three out of those four great revivals were in their 20s. Jonathan Edwards and George Whitfield in the 1740s. Lyman Beecher and Peter Cartwright, early 1820s. D.L. Moody in late 1890s. The exception was the one that happened in the 1960s, which was led by, led by Billy Graham, who was in his 30s at the time. And we are due for another, and we will likely see one in our lifetime. And so the question is, will you play a part in it? If you're still not convinced, it's probably because of one of these three things, one or more of these three things. And I call them the three Bs, okay? You ready for this? You think, man, God cannot use me. There's no way I'm ready for, ready for God to, be, uh, to use me. I'm not, ready, I'm not ready to be used by God because I'm busy. Anyone resonate with that one? I'm broke, and I'm bothered by my life. Does that resonate with anybody in here tonight? And, man, I've got no time. I've got no money. And I don't even, I'm not even content with my own life right now to be used by God. Well, we're going to read a story tonight from the book of Acts where well, we will see those excuses overcome and how we can do the same. And uh, if you would, pray with me. Before we do that, let's settle it once and for all. Is this on my shirt, a buffalo or a bison? <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. I got no clue. <laughs> it's a bison. All right. I don't know. Um, all right. Let's pray. 
God, I thank you so much for tonight, God. I thank you for bringing us here tonight, God. We are uh, so expectant to hear from your word tonight, God. We thank you for this uh, incredible time that we get to gather together and worship you and hear from your word. And uh, God, I pray tonight that you would speak to us, um, God, that we would leave here closer to you than when we came in, and uh, God, that our lives would be a little bit different because of an encounter with you tonight. So we trust you with that. In Jesus' name, we all said together, amen. Awesome. Well, Tonight, we are continuing our series, The Eye in Revival, where we are seeing the part that we play in seeing revival in the world around us. And so, if you would, go ahead and turn to the book of Acts. Uh, The book of Acts will be starting in chapter 3 tonight. Um, And as you're turning to Acts 3, I will give you some context. Uh, Acts is the only book of history in the New Testament, and it tells of the introduction of the, uh, of the Holy Spirit into the world and the birth of the early church. Well, by the time we get to Acts 3, we see Peter and John, who were apostles of Christ, walking to this Jewish temple or to the Jewish temple in their town for an afternoon prayer service. And outside the temple, we see them have this interaction with a crippled man. And so this is Acts 3, 1 through 3. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. Uh, That was three o'clock, three o'clock. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And so we see Peter and John walking up to the temple, which as I said, was a, a Jewish temple, which is kind of interesting to see because uh, after Jesus died and rose again, um, it's interesting to see that some Jewish traditions continued, uh, even for the apostles who believed that Jesus was the Messiah, was the Son of God. And so that is the primary split between Christianity and Judaism is that we believe that Jesus was the Son of God. Jews do not. They, they don't think he's come yet. And, and so for Christians to, you know, to, uh, to not believe that that Jesus was a son of God, it's like it creates this massive split between the two faiths. But at this point, those two faiths, had not, two faiths have not separated yet. That drastic split had not happened yet. Um, and so Peter and John were examples of two Jews who believed that Jesus was the Messiah. And as the book of Acts progresses, uh, you see that full split take place eventually. It just hadn't happened yet at this point. And so Peter and John, they're walking to this Jewish temple, and they approach the entrance, and they see this crippled man uh, being carried and laid at the gate of the temple. And it says that he had been crippled since birth, okay? So he was born this way. He lived his whole life crippled. And it says that he was laid there daily to ask the temple goers for money. And so Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, daily, okay? This was his routine, to be laid by this gate to receive money from the temple goers. And frankly, this was probably a good spot to do so, right? Because you have people who are uh, going to church or they are heading out of church, they are leaving church, and so it is likely that they feel uh, inspired to do good. Uh, it, is, it is likely that they uh, are feeling a little extra generous or maybe a little extra benevolent, um, and so they would be inspired to give some money to the poor. And if you think about it, this guy obviously knew what he was doing, and he wouldn't, have been laid, he wouldn't have asked to be laid there every day if he was not receiving some money, right? If this wasn't working out, he would have been somewhere else. And so obviously this was working for him. He was used to receiving money at this spot by the temple. And so the crippled man, he saw Peter and John entering the, the temple, and so he asked them for money, which is what he always did. 
And you've probably been in a situation like that before, right? You kind of understand the, the context of that where maybe you're walking down the street and, you know, you, and someone asks you for money or maybe you're at an intersection and there's someone, um, you know, going car to car, right? So we, we know what that looks like. And so let's see what happens. This is verse 4 through 8. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And so the man, he asked for, for money, and Peter and John turned their attention to him, and Peter says, look at us, which implies the man wasn't, okay, either out of shame or he's just so used to asking for money when people walk by, he just kind of, you know, he doesn't really look up at these people to make eye, con- eye contact with them. And, and you guys know, you know, like eye contact in a situation like this, if you're trying to avoid it, that's the last thing you want, right? To use a less serious example, if anybody even goes to the mall anymore, right? If you're walking down the, uh, the, the aisle, I guess, how do you avoid the kiosk people? You avoid eye contact, and you just keep on walking, right? I don't want to buy your lotion, right? <laughs> and so that, that's kind of how it is. If you want to avoid the, the, the interaction, you avoid the eye contact. Well, Peter and John, they do the opposite. They actually ask for it. They say, look at us, and he did. And the verses said that he did so expecting to receive something, money, from them. And Peter replied, and he says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus. Get up and walk. And the man is healed, and he picks him up, and he starts running around and praising God for the first time in his life. Now let's read the last two verses see how the story ends. This is 9 to 10. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And so after the the man is healed, all of the the temple goers, they see him running around and praising God. And they recognize him as the guy who was was crippled and lays at the gate every day. And they're like, hey, there's that guy, right? This is amazing. Their minds were blown. It says that they were amazed and and they were filled with wonder and awe because of what had happened. And there's so much truth in this story and, and, and things that, that we can learn. But the truth that I want us to see tonight is this. This man, this crippled man, sat at the gate every day. Was likely passed by thousands of people, if not more, in his life. And every day it was the same. I go to the gate, I get some change, I get something small, I get something temporary. Until the day, the man encountered two men who were set apart by God, and it changed everything. That when everyone else passed by, Peter and John stopped. When everyone else offered something temporary, Peter and John offered something permanent. And when everyone else gave out of their excess, Peter and John gave all that they had. A couple weeks ago, Emily and I were downtown, and we had parked, and we were walking to, uh, to dinner, and on the way, we were, we were asked by, uh, on three different occasions, three different men for money. I'm assuming they, they were homeless. So I, you know, I don't know for sure, and, you know, I don't, uh, 
you know, not, not to get too much into the debate about whether or not you should give money uh, to people asking on the side of the street. You know, people say, well, what are, you gonna, what are they going to do with the money you give them, right? Um, honestly, I don't think the debate matters that much. Uh, you know, Jesus told us to, uh, you know, what you do for the least of these, you do unto me. When I was hungry, you gave me food. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. Uh, so I think we should at least give those people the time of day in those situations. Uh, but these three situations, uh, I did not. And uh, we walked past the first guy, we walked past the second guy, and walked past the third guy. And when we walked past the third guy, as we were walking down the street, another couple passed by us. And, um, and so when we got past the couple, they were passing the man that we had just walked by. And I heard him ask them for money too. And so I was kind of like listening, like, you know, what was, what was going to happen. And uh, I looked around, and like, I turned around to see what would happen, and they also kept walking. And like, that's not like a life-changing story, but it was one of those moments for me where the light bulb went off, and I thought, you know, man, I don't know. I don't, I don't know that other couple, but for me, I'm supposed to be set apart. I'm supposed to be different than the world because I claim the name of Christ, and nothing I just did made me any different from those other people, right? So something has to change. Right, th- those three men were passed by by someone who claims the name of Christ, who believes the gospel is the power of salvation to all mankind, who is commanded to be generous with his life, who's supposed to be carrying around the light of the world everywhere he goes, yet he passes by. And this is not a message about specifically about giving to the homeless. This is a message about a shift in perspective that we all need. That as believers, we're not just aligning ourselves with the title of Christian. We're aligning ourselves with the hope of the world, right? Jesus didn't die to make our Tuesdays different or our Sundays different. He didn't die to redeem our Sunday. He died to change our life, to redeem our life, to make our lives different. You know, as we said last week, in the the name of blending in, a lot of times we sacrifice our calling from God on the altar of the world's acceptance. And we make those same excuses we said at the beginning. I'm too busy. I'm too broke. And I am too bothered by my own life to be used by God. And while I don't want to downplay those realities, because honestly, we might be really busy. There's a good chance we're broke. And there's a good chance we're bothered by our own life. And like I said, I don't want to downplay the truth of that. But I want to show you tonight that those excuses don't matter as much as we think. Let's look at those three one by one, all right? I cannot tell you how many times... I have been asked, hey, man, how's life? How's it going? What you been up to? Or I've asked someone that, hey, man, how's life? You know, what's up? And the answer has been, I'm busy, man. I'm busy. I heard that three times tonight. Hey, man, how's life? Busy. Got a lot going on. Schedule's insane. Work's crazy. School's crazy, right? We're busy. We live insane lives. You guys know this, right? Are you guys busy? And that answer is probably true, right? It's either like an organized busy or we're just busy doing nothing, right? You ever had days like that where you felt like your day was full but you really didn't do much? But we do lead busy lives. You know, our schedules are insane. You know, if you're in school, class, homework, studying, take up your time. If you're in work, that takes up a lot of your time. A lot of you do both, school and work. And then you throw family in there and friends in there. Maybe you have a significant other, and then you feel like you got to eat healthy and exercise, and then you got to feel like you got to get enough sleep at night. And it's a lot, right? That's why our lives are truly busy. What's true, though, is that we are not designed 
to be so busy. You know, I thought this was interesting that uh, up until towards the end of the 19th century, people slept 9 to 11 hours at night. That'd be awesome, right? That'd be great. But everything changed around that time because of the invention of the light bulb. Because before that, when it got dark, what else are you going to do? You just go to bed. You can't see anything. (laughs) What a time to be alive, right? Could you imagine? (laughs) Take me back, man. Give me a time machine. Um, But when the light bulb was was introduced, People were able to, to lengthen their work days, right? They, they worked more. They worked longer hours. And in today's time, the average work week is creeping up towards 50 hours a week compared to the standard 40 that it, you know, it's been for so long. And so we are busy people. But the truth is we can't be so busy that we crowd out every chance to, to impact the world around us. Right? As you remember, Peter and John, they were, they were walking to the temple to pray. So they were busy, right? They, they, were, they had places to be. They had people to see. They were on a mission. But their busyness did not keep them from taking advantage of an opportunity that was placed in front of them to impact their world. And I love what Peter said. He said, I give what I have. You know, as young adults, we may not have all the time in the world, but we can give what we have. You know, we can create intentional margin. Bless you. We can create intentional margin in our lives and eliminate some, you know, some fluff in our lives or change around some priorities to make sure that I'm busy is no longer an excuse to say I will give what I have to change my world. Another common excuse is that second B, broke. I'm broke. It's hard to think about how to impact your world when you feel like you don't have the financial means to do so. And that can be really frustrating and annoying. You know, and everyone can make their jokes about millennials, right, and avocado toast, and how millennials, you know, they, they've killed chain restaurants and JCPenney, and they're never going to buy houses, <laughs> right? I, I, know, <laughs> I know not everyone in here is a millennial, right? Some of us are Gen Z, whatever. Just saying. But here's the thing. If you wait until you are financially stable to be generous, it will be too late. If you're not generous when you have a little, you're not going to be generous when you have a lot. And a lot of times, this excuse of being broke, it's not even about literal money, right? Under the surface, it's not a feeling of lacking money that stops us. It's a feeling of lacking influence, right? Because a lot of, you know, in society, those two go hand in hand a lot, money and, and influence. But as followers of Jesus, being broke is not a disqualifier. Do you know how I know? Because Peter and John literally said, when asked for money, I have no silver and gold. I don't have any money. They, they said to the crippled man, look, I'm broke too. I get it, but I do have something, and it's Jesus. They said, you know, like Philippians 4, it says that God will supply every need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And we can see that clearly in this, in this encounter, that, that this encounter with Jesus meant more to that man, to the crippled man, than the money did. And we know that because he didn't get healed and run around and praise God and then turn around and be like, hey, I could really use some coins. I could really use that money, right? No, we don't see that at all. An encounter with Jesus in his life was enough to satisfy him. And so you might be broke financially, but if you have Jesus, you are not broke spiritually. And you have all the resources that you need to change your world. And we can do exactly what Peter and John did and say, man, I will give what I have. And lastly, a lot of us experience that third B too, that we're bothered by our life. 
You know, we're in a time of life that is common as young adults to, uh, to not feel content or to you know, constantly hope something better is around the corner. That person or that job or that degree. And we may feel a lack of direction or a lack of clarity about, uh, about what's next and when the day is going to come when, you know, things get better or you get life figured out. And I can tell you, there will come a time when things start making a little bit more sense, but there will never come a day when you get life figured out. I promise that. And in the meantime, I know there can be some fr- frustration about that, some anger over that. But I would challenge you to change that anger to hunger. To change the anger to hunger. To, to, to do all that you can with where you are right now. The school God has you in. The workplace God has you in. The friends and the family God has given you. To not waste this time right now by constantly hoping for some better tomorrow. You know, Peter and John, they could have bypassed this crippled man and, they, and, and start, you know, trying to start revival in the temple, which they eventually would. But in this moment, they didn't want to let this, this man, they didn't want to walk past this man and miss this opportunity to make an impact. They didn't want to get caught up with what was next. And it was just that one man that they helped. As we saw at the end of the story, that that one man became a testimony to the goodness of God and to the power of God to the entire place. And so you might not be exactly where you want to be in life, and you may be a little bothered by that. But I challenge you to say, I will give what I have to change my world. If you would, go ahead and stand with me. Tonight, I would encourage us to stop making excuses and instead start making some progress. To stop making excuses and start making progress. That yes, we may be busy, Yes, we may be broke, and we might be bothered by our life, but with the Spirit alive in us, we have all that we need. And so I would would challenge you tonight and encourage you tonight to make a decision to give what you have, to give all that you've got with what you've got for the sake of your world, the three, four, five people closest to you coming to know Jesus more or for the first time, to magnify Christ in your life in every way that you can, and together, we might be able to leave this world a little bit different than how we found it. Sound good? Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for tonight. God, I thank you for this story of Peter and John and this crippled man. And I thank you, God, for putting your power on display when Peter and John were willing to set aside the excuses of being busy and broke and bothered. And so, God, I thank you, God, that they gave us an example to follow. So, God, we want to follow that example. God, we want to we not use busy as an excuse, but instead create margin in our life. Instead of saying that we're broke, God, to know that we are spiritually rich because of you. And God, instead of being bothered by where we're at in life, to instead say, God, I'm going to be faithful where you have me to change my world. And I thank you for your son that came to this, this earth to live a, a life we couldn't live, to die a death we deserve to die, to set us free from all unrighteousness, to invite the Holy Spirit into our lives so that he can radically change the way we live our lives here on earth. And so, God, I pray that we would not be the people that pass by, but instead the ones who stop. In Jesus' name, amen.